Alright, so we're just gonna do this. Like, uh, when you come in, you're gonna get your chair, put it wherever you want, and then you'll put it away. Yeah, it's really kind of genius. It's awesome. Amen. It's really good. So, welcome to Church Project. If you're a first time guest, uh, we're glad that you're here. Um, we're a church, we're a gathering of, of people that love Jesus. And we love the mission of Jesus, and we want to live that out together. We want to get to know Jesus and the mission of Jesus and do it together. We're also a project, an ongoing pursuit. So we're continually going to discover ways to be the church in 2018, tomorrow morning and the morning after. Like, we have not arrived. It's, it's continual. Um, I want to talk about a couple things today. One is, if you don't own a Bible, you can raise your hands, and one of our, our, our strong men back there will bring you a Bible. And if you don't own one, that's our gift to you. You can have it. Um, or if you're just super, super techie, you've got one of these bad boys, and so you can pull it out, open up your Version Bible app. If you don't own it, you can download it. It's free. And our live events are on there, so just search for live events, church project. The notes are on there as well. Uh, so that's good. And I'd encourage you to download those notes because when you go to house church, if you don't save those notes tonight, they disappear. So when you go to house church, you can, you can have the notes to kind of talk through the message. Um, and I also want to cut, talk about a couple other things. One is not only are the chairs in weird places because we're weird people and we put them wherever we want. Awesome. Um, we're not putting out um, connection cards anymore. In fact, Jeremy worked really hard on getting it. So if you want to, you could go to our website right now, just churchprojectgreeley.org or .com, either one. And then you can scroll down to the bottom or click on the top. There's a connection card thing. Uh, and that's where you can put your prayer requests. That's where you can sign up to get emails. Everything's done that way because we don't want to pick up paper. So that's what we're going to do kind of moving forward as well. Um, and also be looking in your emails this week because we're going to put out the summer church project schedule. And Jeremy, it's pretty nice, isn't it? Like, it's pretty awesome. So, I mean, not as awesome as your little, where's your rolly thing? Get, where, it's gone? Okay. If you weren't here early, you didn't see Jeremy's grand entrance, and it was awesome. So, um, and, I, and I also want to just take a moment. Last week was crazy, wasn't it? And, and that's like good, not bad. Our gathering, I mean, we had the, the pool, the whatever it's called, the horse trough here. We did baptisms, and it was awesome. Um, Cody and Tracy were baptized in this place, and I'm telling you, I loved being a part of what we were doing last week. So church, thank you for what you're doing. It's good to, it's good to see you, and it's good to be part of what we're doing here together at Church Project. Um, let's jump in. We, we go through uh, the books of the Bible. We're in Acts right now, so go to Acts chapter 14. Grandpa, we made it to Acts 14. Can you believe that? We are smoking through Acts. We've only been here for a year and a half. We're eventually going to get through it. But last week I powered through 100 verses so we could get to verse 14. Here we are. Chapter 14 of Acts, verses 1 through 7 is what we're going to go through. And I'm going to move forward a little bit, Jay, just to make you uncomfortable. So Bob Goff, raise your hand if you've heard of the name Bob Goff. Okay, incredible communicator, author. He's just a funny, good-loving dude. I want him to move in with us. Like, that would be awesome. And he came out with a new book this week called Everybody Always. Everybody Always. And he's going around and speaking at conferences. I mean, it's just, he, he's just a cool dude. And there's a lot of momentum around him. And, and one of the things that he said in his new book is this. We become in our lives whoever the people we love the most say we are. Wow. Let me say that again, because that's just one of those, boom, okay? 
We become in our lives whatever the people we love the most say we are. I mean, God did this consistently in the Bible. He told Moses he was a leader, and what did Moses become? Right? He told Noah he was a sailor, and he became a sailor. Uh, He told Sarah she was a mother, and she became a mother. He told Peter he was a rock, and he led the church. Like, Jesus was a master at this. He moved then, and I believe he moves today. And so if that's the case, what is God telling you about you today? What is God telling you about you today? You see, I believe... And we've talked about this before, but especially, we're in the book of Acts. Like, let me give you the story of the book of Acts. It's the church. It's the beginning of the church. It becomes a movement, not a place. And so you see the church going like crazy, growing. We're studying the book of Acts, so I don't know how we can't be aggressive in our messages. Like, this is about growing. This is about not being stagnant and stale. Like, this is something new that was happening, and it's new that's happening right now. I believe the greatest enemy of the church is the church. The greatest enemy of the church is the church. It is the way we talk about who we are. It's our ecclesiology. The way that we talk about who we are determines what we do. And when we talk about the way we are, it's what we act. And it's what we think about who we are. If we think we're a place to show up looking good, which we do, That's awesome. If we think we're a place to show up looking good or to sing a few songs or to say a few pleasantries of greetings or goodbyes as we come and go or to study scripture or to drop in our tithes, that was a hint, drop in your tithes, um, and then peace out till next week. If if we think that that's what church is and that's all encompassing of what church is, then that's as good as it's going to get for you. I mean, you'll you'll have a great time, but that's as good as it's going to get for you. If we think, though, we are missionaries called by God to be an active part of his church and his world, then we will show up looking for ways to serve here at Church Project, and we will actively engage in conversation with other people And we'll see this as just another day in our seven day. Just another day. Because tomorrow morning we'll do the same thing. We'll wake up. We'll think of ourselves as missionaries. We'll look for ways to serve. And we'll engage others in communication and conversations. In all the places that we go. His church and his word and his world. We will be the church everywhere that we go. Whether it's school, whether it's work. And we'll live on mission, making disciples of all nations. If we are on mission with this church, then when we get baptized, we will have three men outside the water that want to baptize us. That's what happened last week. We will have community. We will kick each other in the rear. We will spur each other on. We will love each other. And we will be an active movement as what we read about in the book of Acts. To be all we can be, we need to start telling a different story, though, about who we are. We need to think differently about who we are. We need to tell a greater narrative about who we are. 
the passage we're about to read here is Paul and Barnabas, and they're on this journey. And, and um, Elijah, if you will put up this map, we got the map there. Um, this way you can kind of see what's happening. Uh, you can follow back, go a couple verses back, and you'll see that it started kind of right above that little Syria area, and their, their first missionary journey went across the water to Cyprus and then up to Antioch, little Antioch, and Bill talked on that really well. And, and the passage that we're in now is way up there in Poseidon, and then it goes over to Lystria and Derby. Okay, so this is the map. We'll just leave this up for a little bit. Um, but Paul and Barnabas... In this passage we're about to read, these seven verses we're about to read, had every opportunity to feel like a failure as they embarked on this first missionary journey. They had every opportunity to feel like this isn't working, it's not going well. Yet they were so moved, this is key, they were so moved by, by their relationship with Jesus, nothing could stop them from sharing this good news. Their identity was firmly placed in Jesus, not what others were saying about them or even if they were accepting the word that was being shared. This is Paul and Barnabas. So let's get in and look at this, okay? Acts chapter 14, verses 1 through 7. Everyone good? We're all right? Okay. Jared, we're good? Rocking? Okay. I like picking on people, sorry. Not you would kick my tail, so I'll leave you alone. Let's move on. At uh, this place, Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went, as usual, into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that, that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the other Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there, speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. The people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. There was a plot afoot among the Gentiles and Jews, together with their leaders, to mistreat them and stone them. But they found out about it and fled to Lysonian cities of Lystra and Derbe and to the surrounding country where they continued to preach the gospel. That's it. In these seven verses, I think God unpacks something that if we can, if we can find our identity in this, it's going to encourage us today. When we first look at verses 1 and 2, at Paul and Barnabas, they went as usual to the, to the Jewish synagogue and there they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. Then we get to verse 2. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up other Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. The things that really stepped out at me, there was a lot that stepped out. This, this one jumped out a lot at me. And it was poisoned their minds against the brothers. Anyone else, when, when we read it, you were like, okay, what is going on here? Poison their minds against the brothers. You can look at this map, and the thing that Paul and Barnabas did when they first went into a new city to, to tell this good news to Jewish people and to the Gentiles is they went to synagogues first. So they went to the synagogue, and it's the most likely place that they're going to encounter somebody that will understand this message, and we will see life come. So they go to the Jewish synagogues and start sharing this good message. And it says in verse 1 and 2 that they taught with power, and many people believed. Then we get to verse 2. Then what happened? 
after many people believed, after Paul and Barnabas taught with power, it said they poisoned, the people poisoned their minds against the, and what does your Bible say? Brethren, brothers. You think you're in a safe place. You think you're amongst friends that love you. You think you're in a great place. The message is moving. God is moving in powerful ways. Great number of people are believing like things are starting to happen in in this Jewish synagogue. And then brothers start stirring up and causing dissension. Ouch, that's a stinger. We become in our lives whatever the people we love the most say we are. Are we listening, church, to others crying and complaining and venomously poisoning us? Are we listening to those words and those voices? Or are we listening to God's identity and his instruction in our life? I mean, think if Paul and Barnabas found their identity and they found their purpose in the affirmation of brothers they went to speak to. Or if they found their identity in the movement of what was happening. If they found their identity in anything other than Jesus Christ and that relationship, they would feel like a failure. This is only the second place that they've stopped. And the first place, they had to wipe the dust off their feet as they left. And we see in these verses, well, later, that they're going to leave these cities as well with their tails between their legs a little bit. Okay, Let's go to verse 3 and 4. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there, speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. Wouldn't that be nice, huh? And then verse 4, the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. In verse 3 and 4, the disciples dug into what they knew was truth and boldly and relentlessly taught the truth. They taught it so much that a great number of people began to understand and get it and receive this new message. And then you see that God helped them outwardly by signs and wonders. Okay, let's pause. Of course, if God's going to move in signs and wonders, people are going to believe this message, right? We, we can say this in 2018. Like, yeah, if God did a wonderful sign, like I could go tell my neighbor about God and they would believe. We could say, look at this sign. Or if God did something incredible in our life, we could point to that and say, look, God did this, and the world will believe it. So if God, if you would do wonders and signs and miracles today, right now, today, I would be the best evangelistic, did I say that right? Evangelistic person in the world, because all I'd have to do is point to what you're doing. Would you agree? And at the same time, we're thinking this. That it would be easy to preach if God would give us signs and wonders. It would be so easy. We say, God, just give me and move in my life like that. And then we realize, wait, we are the church. And is not God moving today in our lives? Is not Cody and Tracy being baptized the greatest sign we could ever be given? Is not our own salvation the greatest sign we could ever be given? Is not that marriage being saved one of the greatest signs of God moving in our time that we could ever imagine? 
is not 50 plus little kids, little people, small ones, little ones over there, project kids. Is that not a sign that God is moving in our midst? It's a visual sign that God is moving in our midst. But yet, we discount those. We say, no, we need grander signs. Grander than we were once in prison and now God has set us free? Grander than that? Grander than our own salvation? Like, we have the signs and wonders. We don't need to say, God, give me more signs and wonders. We have it. And the question is, are we engaging in a relationship with God and realizing what signs and wonders and what gift he's already set us free from? And then we have the boldness to go and share it wherever we go, with our, with our lives, with our words, however, wherever we're going, in the spaces and places we go, we are the signs and wonders that God loves and is moving in this world today. That should give us tremendous confidence. It's not about us. God's already done everything he needs to do. We get to verse 5. There was a plot afoot among both Gentiles and Jews, together with their leaders, to mistreat them and stone them. Plot afoot jumps out at me, and I, and I look at this. And this, this week, again, I heard of another victory for Satan. And it just, I mean, it it hurts. Another church in turmoil because brothers poisoning the minds of the church. Another pastor run out of a church because of a coup. You can run me out, that's that's fine. (laughs) If you want to. More passive and passionless Lives in this particular church are being lived because of poisoned minds. People in leadership at this church said that's not what we want here. And poison the minds of the congregation to the degree where the pastor's gone. Now, am I bold enough to say that God's not going to use that? Absolutely not. This has actually happened in my past, being run out of a church. And I look at that and I go, you know what? God used that in such an incredible way. Like, he, he used that in the lives of the church that, that I was run out of in awesome ways for that church. And also, in the awesome lives of Church Project. Like, Church Project would have never come about had not the hearts been hardened by the people that we were ministering to and along with. So I don't condemn, I don't judge, but I do realize that amongst us, we can begin to talk such negative, poisonous things that it begins to poison the hearts and minds of what God is doing at Church Project. Don't, I don't want to be a part of that. Like I want to be a, a church that's real, that's pushing into what God's doing, that's speaking truth and life, that's engaging, that's living on mission. Like, I don't want a plot to be afoot amongst this place because it will only hurt the church and determine who we are and what we'll do in the future. We were meant to live for so much more. God wants to wake us up and send us passionately into tomorrow morning. He wants us to live a life in love with him. Satan, though, I want to pause on this. 
Satan does not mind if we go to church. I'll put go, okay? Satan loves it when we go to church. In fact, he wants us to think that church is a place we can go to. That doesn't offend him at all. He's all for that. Satan does not want us to realize who we are. We are the church. Satan does not want us to realize that we are capable of thwarting all his evil plans. That we are alive in Christ. That we are sons and daughters of a king. That we are brilliant. That we are forgiven. That we have a bright future. That God is for us. No, he wants us to have a plot afoot amongst us. And he wants us to redefine who we are so we're passionless and we're stale and we just go to church. Um, Paul and Barnabas, just imagine if they're in this city right there um, and they shapeshift to culture. Like they, they, they water down this message. They're like, oh, you know what? You're right. Like that was too aggressive. My bad. What, what, what happens to this message if Paul and Barnabas find their identity in people accepting this message? What happens to this message in this one little city, only their second stop on the very first missionary journey? Like, what happens to it if they find their own identity in the ability to share this message? Like, it pauses. It doesn't go beyond there. And they've shape-shifted the church to be neutered, to be dead, to be meaningless. Satan would love us to come to church, people. We study an active church in Acts where people are risking and dying and moving and going and growing and all what? Because of a relationship with Jesus Christ. And they're doing it together. They're finding their identity in who Jesus is. And that's the same calling that he's put on our life today. So we see in verse 5 that there was a plot afoot to throw him out. And in verse 6, but they found out about it and fled to these two cities and the surrounding countries where they continued to preach the gospel message. Their identity wasn't wrapped up in what others said. Their identity wasn't found in accepting and others accepting this message. They didn't stick around sucking thumbs and thinking, woe is me, because people didn't like my message. Nope. They had experienced the life-changing message of Jesus Christ in their own life. God had given them a good story They heard the story, they lived the story, and it's the same challenge that God gives us today. We are new and we are free. We are loved and we walk in hope. Now the challenge is really clear. Go share this message. The only way you can share this message tomorrow morning and be the church tomorrow morning is if today and in this moment you find your identity in Christ. Other than that, we shapeshift the message and neuter it. One of the things that encourages me about Church Project is that we're a people of action and we're a people about relationships. And so we see it in our house churches. We see it in our 
text messages and our Marco Polos and everything else, our Instagrams, everything that's happening. It's people that's engaging in this world and spurring each other on to love and good deeds. Because as Bob Goff said, and I agree, we become in our lives whoever the people we love the most say that we are. So church, what do we say that we are to each other? We're children of a king, and we have a great message, a great love hope. Let me pray for us today. I feel like that's enough for us to sit on. And again, if if you have a prayer request, then you can just go to the website on the phone and fill out that that prayer request. But I want to sit on this for a minute. God, I thank you for us being here today. I thank you that you are our Father. You are our King. And that you have a strong identity. You invite us to be your sons and daughters, to have that same identity, an identity found in you, God. I ask in this room that your Holy Spirit moves on the hearts and minds of everyone here. For for those of us that are far from God and we'd say, we don't know if God exists, God, would you show yourself real to us? For those of us that have been hurt by the church, as plots were afoot, as brothers said and did, and we have church hurt in our past, we've been hurt by Christians and church, may that not define who we are and who we will be. May we learn from the past and the hurt from the past, and may we accept your challenge to go to the next city, to wake up tomorrow morning, to be and to do everything that you've called us to be and do. God, we thank you that your Holy Spirit is moving afresh right now, and so we accept that. Whatever lies we've believed about ourselves, would you begin to crumple those up and give us a fresh identity? God, the places where we feel like we're unworthy, we're dirty, we're used up, Would you remind us and show us that we are worthy, that we're clean, and God, the best days are ahead with you, that you use the things that hurt in our past for greatness for today and tomorrow. God, that your mercies are new every morning. God, I pray for those of us in this room that we found ourselves in a neutral land. Not really negative on you or your church, but not really passionate about you or your church either. May in this moment you begin to stir in our hearts. Stir all day long. Stir tonight. When we wake up tomorrow. May we just have a renewed sense of who you are and who we are. And may we share this love message everywhere that we go. And church, would you pray with me? God, I ask for Greeley, Colorado. I ask for all of it. I'm tired of seeing pain and hurt. God, we are tired of seeing abuse. We are tired of seeing brokenness. And we want all of Greeley. 
We want every soul in Greeley, every person. We don't want people to walk in lies. We want freedom and victory. For the people that are down and out right now, wherever they may be in Greeley, may next week they not be there. May next week they be here. May next week they be in relationship with you. May next week they have hope and joy, passion and purpose. And God, I pray that you use us to take this message to Greeley. We want all of Greeley, God. Would you bring revival to our hearts, to our hearts and minds, to our body, to our city? Would people hear of what you're doing in Church Project in Greeley and Northern Colorado around the world? May we not be stagnant. May we be a church on movement, on purpose, and on mission. Awaken our souls, God. Thank you for who you are and your identity that you've given us. Church, let's stand and worship God in this place.